Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat, a show where we talk career experiences, entrepreneurship and investments. The main aim is to show that there's more than one way to be successful other than just climbing the corporate ladder. Apologies for the late start today, we had a few technical difficulties, but we're going to jump right in. We are live on LinkedIn and YouTube, and the show will be available on podcast by tomorrow morning, so don't forget to like, subscribe and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. If you are joining us live, drop a one in the comments so that we know we're not talking to ourselves. And if you're watching the recording, drop a two in the comments. My guest for this week is Peter Seriti, Chartered Accountant, Associate Director, Founder, Registered Auditor, Psyker Top 35, Under 35 Finalist, and also Abasa National Leadership Committee Member. That's a long list, but Peter, thanks so much for joining me today. It's only a pleasure. It's only a pleasure. Thank you. Uh, let's jump straight into questions. Right. Tell us your story. Where do you come from? And even outside of work, who is Peter Seriti? Mm, that's, that's quite a lot of question. So I grew up up in the north, beyond the wall there, Limpopo. Grew up in a small township. Weird enough, it's a couple of blocks away from the infamous leader from the Red Party. Uh, so we grew up in the same neighborhood, um, Tsisheho. Uh, then from there, shockingly enough, I wanted to study music. Um, but moms be moms. I got to grade 11, she kind of gave me an ultimatum that all my dead body. So <laughs> kind of took on the accounting journey. And I must say, it's been quite a bliss to get to this point. And everything else has just been an amazing journey, which we'll delve into shortly. And um, outside of work, what, what do you get to outside, outside of work? So if I'm not working, either I'm spending time with my daughter or alternatively, I'm just playing. So I love music, right? So I'm either at live sessions, at rehearsals, um, play about five instruments. So my personal favorite is the alto sax. So I spend a lot of my time around those things. That's my music, family, and a bit of traveling when I do get the chance. But that's when things aren't as hectic as they are 90% of the time. So the accountant is also a musician. I love it. Yes. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I was looking through your profile a little bit, and I mean, you've got quite a few extra certifications on there, starting to make me feel a little bit underqualified. But uh, I mean, let's talk a little bit. You got you, you were a registered auditor and a certified information systems auditor. How long did it take uh, to get each one? Talk and talk us about the value behind each one, and if you'd recommend it uh, for others to 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 apply for the same. All right, fair enough. So. <laughs> Firstly, with the timing, it does take a while, but I guess for me what was different was I knew quite early I'm an entrepreneur. So I kind of knew from my second year, third year, when we started interacting with the firms in your varsity because I studied at UJ. And from then, I had to have a um, five-year, 10-year plan, 20-year plan that all these things, what you're seeing now is just the fruits of it, but a lot of it was running concurrently. So maybe to just talk you through it, while I was doing my articles, I completed my forensic certificate or certification. That took about a year or so during articles. That means over everything. And that, what was quite tricky about that was that was during APC, you know? So I had to juggle between the two because for me, maybe to take a step back, I had to answer one question that how do you build one of the best auditors this country has ever seen? And that has been what I've been trying to do over the past decade to kind of say, I'm trying to build an auditor that not only specializes in a particular type of audit, but is able to hone a skill that integrates your forensic IT audit being the buzzword. And then that took about, that was five years in the making. I mean, I, between you and me, I had to rewrite, write, rewrite the exams. 
still with my internal audit, I'm still rewriting exams. Doesn't mean I'm not failing along the way, but because I've been so set in defining this new CA that the world needs to take, a CA that can be quite affluent in technology, CA that's quite affluent in forensics, and your normal disciplines that you'll cover across along the journey of being an RA as well. So for me to to kind of split them, it did take a while because CFE was about two years. That was 2016 into 17. Then I qualified as a CA end of that year, 2017. And immediately after that, I started the internal audit journey, which to this day, I'm still on that journey. But in between then, CISA came on top. Uh, but because of the work I had done previously, it kind of gave us a bit of a boost. And given the opportunities we had seen in the market, because one of the opportunities we had seen in the market this morning, actually, the AG was doing a presentation on what would have been the AG's first life audits, what we call life audits. And this is a concept that between you and me, we have been trying to spearhead in this nation for a while, but AG has kind of beat us to it. But that is groundbreaking technology that we are able to, in real time, report and create accountability between the gap normally what an auditor would do right at the end versus when the actual event is happening. So all in all, I mean, if I look at it, the longest is still the CA route because that's about a seven-year journey, but everything else has been two, three years, depending how you structure your things and how diligent you are in your studies. And again, one thing I need to say out there that, that we don't talk a lot about is that what you guys see on LinkedIn now, it's the end results. It's now after I've completed the exam. But what LinkedIn doesn't show you is the amount of times I had to repeat that exam, the amount of hours I had to put in. So it has been quite a journey, but I mean, I'm still 32. So according to my view, I still got some runway before I retire. I like how you put it there. Failure is not the end. You keep going and you, you will be successful. Now that that's definitely that, that motivates me. Nothing else. Yeah. I see. I mean, along all these other qualifications that you mentioned, I see you also attended UNISA Graduate School of Business. But I notice most people when they go to Graduate School of Business, they do an MBA. But mm-hmm. you didn't do that, though. So, what did you study, and what? Tell us what you studied, why, and how it helped you. Okay, so that's going to be BEE, right? Um, interesting story. So around 2020, when that would be formally when I decided to leave corporate firms and, and, and branch out to myself, the first consulting gig I got was in BEE, right? We're structuring one of the biggest telecoms in France that was coming into South Africa. So we needed to do some equity equivalents. There was a lot of BE that went into it. So firstly, I guess... To CAs, they should relate. Because I was quite new in that space, B, I'd never done it before. I felt like I was more the first day. I didn't know what was happening. So that's when I applied for the MDP at UNISA to just study BEE, to understand the ins and outs of BEE. Because generally growing up and even as a professional, BEE has always been that thing that it has to do with transformation. That We left it at that. But no one really went into it to unpack what it spoke about. What parts of transformation are we looking to address? Uh, how are we planning to address it? What does the future look like? And that's when I then embarked on my MDP. And so that's the one side of it, to kind of give me that understanding and context given the project we're doing in 2020. But beyond that, we also picked up quite a huge need in our clients. So we service quite a lot of clients, both in the construction and FCMG and transportation a bit. And in those sectors, what we saw was that, and again, I'm going to take a very, very simple example to illustrate the point I'm doing. You get a tenderpreneur that would start off small. They are what we'd call an QSE when EMEs would be low 10 million. They then get a tender for 300 million, right? So overnight, 
this client now becomes a generic, meaning they need to be evaluated on five pillars. So based on that, we realized that we're referring out quite a lot of this work that we could be doing in-house. And we then started a subsidiary within our entity or the group, which again is quite complex. Hopefully we'll get time to unpack that group in a bit, where it's purely looks after verification. We've undergone our science accreditation where we can actually help some of our clients through that process, either preparing for verification and guys that come in for us to just verify them. So that then would have linked with my relationship then with APB as a professional body where it's the association for BE professionals. So along this journey of learning, I started then collaborating with them, trying to find out, okay, how does one actually really add value to this? Fortunately enough, I was... I was honored more than anything to actually sit on their transformation committee, still am. And they, that's when we started unpacking quite a lot of sector codes. What you have recently would have seen as the legal sector code charter that's out, uh, what's in the pipeline, what's currently being talked about as a security charter code, uh, the refining of what we used to have as the chartered accountancy code. So all of that to really say, how do we drive transformation and empowerment, genuine transformation and empowerment within South Africa? So that would have been why I went then to UNISA to study further to do my MDP. Okay. For the audience, if any, we'll be responding to questions towards the end. So please add your questions to the comment section now so that we don't miss them. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Psycho Top 35 Under 35. Uh, what was your experience like and why should people apply? No, that was amazing. Like, um, more than anything, that's a career for me when I look at my very short career in corporate or in business. That has been a game changer. Firstly, it's just the 34 other candidates that you've been shortlisted with. Firstly, just the caliber of it. I mean, my year group, you that was last year. We had the guy that developed the Invigilator app, and that was just groundbreaking, not only in South Africa, but globally. In the same group, we so just being in a room of greatness kind of firstly gives testament to the hard work we've been doing. But more than anything, it, it, it almost creates a familiarity phase where now this morning I had about two meetings, one there close to the airport and another one right there with some of the audit firms. And the moment you walk into the room from partner all the way to first year and even the client, they recognize your face. I might not know the name yet, but it does create um, a huge change or a huge trajectory change in, in your ability to, to, to earn revenue if you're in business or your ability to climb the corporate ladder if you're in corporate just because of that value added ads. Because effectively, what 3535 means to me personally, is that out of a possible 3,000, however many CAs we are that passes every year, you are part of a very, very group, elite group that is outstanding because of the work you do. And maybe to talk a bit about that, what actually landed up on that final list was the work we did around just sustainable employment. So we embarked on a journey around 2018 to answer again the question, how do we create sustainable employment in South Africa? using the current structures, one of it being ESD or what is commonly known as enterprise supply development and using the CETAs, your YES programs, using current existing legislation to drive sustainable. So we piloted it around 2019 to 2020. That was the first day we piloted it. I wasn't too involved there because I was still wrapping up in my formal employment. But then what really then happened there was that we would then be 
SNA would be sort of a midpoint between graduates coming out of varsity, different graduates. I mean, we've worked with the likes of TET, VUT. We still have good relationships with PACS as well. We've worked with the likes of UJ as well. We would take their graduates from both degrees and diplomas. And then what we then do, we take them through about a three months. Initially, when we started, it was about a six months. But we realized from three months, they're actually industry ready from about... Three months then would then pop them into Batlali. Batlali was our incubator then that we ran. And then from there would match them with SMMEs that we support from an ESD. Now, fortunate enough, we had Saika come on board, um, Saika ED at the time. So when we piloted, it was the first project we did in collaboration with JP Morgan. That was about two, three years back. And when we did that, it was in the township. So it made sense. So literally what we'd do, we'd get a graduate in the township, get an SMME that's sitting in the township. SNE would provide sort of the support as we are an accounting firm and would provide the training. And then what would happen? This graduate would learn the skills from us, go service that entrepreneur that's on an ESD program. So i.e. then the graduate is able to be paid through the YES programs and YES pro, um, stipends. And the SMM is able to get top-notch good quality service from an accountant that is in their locality. So the on the back of that, the success that came out of that was we actually had about a 60 to 70% retention. So meaning the local businesses we had in the township. And I mean, the whole cohort was about 125, I stand to be corrected, because it was the COVID years, so there was about a lot of fluctuations. But we ended off graduation, it was about 106. Again, I stand to be corrected on the numbers. And they were spread across various SMMEs um, and SMPs. So what was quite outstanding there was that we're able to pick up that actually businesses in the township appreciate the skill the moment they see the valued ads. So then we were able to then say, okay, let's take this model. It worked in Soweto. It worked in Tembisa. It worked in Katlehong. We're going to take it and try and roll it out nationally. And that would be sort of one of the divisions we had. And, and that division, we ran it through Gauteng. We took the same model to Limpopo, where we then opened our second office. Now, that's the one side of our office. The other side of our office is that we are now building a firm through this because we're able to get our psych accreditation to be a training office. We're now getting our Erba paperwork to be a fully-fledged firm, getting our CISA certification. We're still working on that quite a lot, but we're able to now have a sustainable model for employment. Took it to Limpopo, took it to KZN, took it to Mpumalanga. We took it this year, actually, we had done it in Northern Cape as well. And we realized that this is such a sustainable model that we started running that as a business in itself. And to date, I mean, we have seen over 80 graduates come through our program. Some of them have been placed with the SMBs we are supporting. Some of them have been able to get that experience that will lead on to their next job. And for us, that is true testament to what the work we do around empowerment and transformation. And needless to say, at this point in time, we've fully gone into skills as well, whereby we can really start integrating into the value chain, where we can pick up someone straight out of matric, give them the necessary qualifications they need, put them in a job, give them the necessary initial training they need, and then from there, set them off into the big bad world to really try and see what they can fend for themselves. So that was how eventually we landed up there. But for me, that was my experience with 35 under 35, quite amazing. I really enjoyed it. Wish I could enter again. Weird enough this year, I've been getting quite a lot of, lot of nominations because now, I mean, the next big thing for us now is trying to get into the JSE as an audit firm through some of our affiliates and partners we're working with. It sounds almost like uh, every time you find a need, you scratch an itch and you test it out and you find a business out of it. 
So <laughs> it seems like a good way to go. Yeah, but more than anything, I mean, between you and me, COVID kind of had to bring that out of all entrepreneurs because the traditional way of how we did business failed. I, I, you might have been in a big firm, a small firm, we all felt a lot. So we needed to find ways outside the normal way we would generate some sort of sustenance into really creating innovation. So I guess on the brighter side, there is something good that came out of COVID. Let's uh, talk Abasa for a bit. I see you are on the national. You are uh, a national leadership committee member. What does your role entail, and what are you personally trying to achieve? All right, two things. So, so I'm very privileged to, to to firstly serve on that committee under Tabo. So Tabo Matan is our chairperson on that committee, and I kid you not, we had about a two hour debate before he got me on. I was like, I'm gonna sit on the board, and you're not paying me. No, 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 but you know, but. The moment we started really unpacking what the purpose of that committee is, what the purpose of Abasa is, we, I started realizing that it actually aligns with my personal values and beliefs. Pretty much what we do in the leadership committee is to drive leadership developing initiatives. So back in the day when I was still in high school, because I'm not that old, Abasa used to have... Uh, high school tours where once a quarter or during the holidays we'd have these amazing CAs come in, really inspire the people, right? And over the years, for some odd reason, that kind of faded. I don't want to say died, but it lost the prevalence it had. And you got to varsity. Abasa then was sort of a society you could affiliate with. Uh, you could go there for extra classes. I remember in my first year, I went there quite a lot for stats, extra classes, groups when you started getting to this. So it supported you through the varsity phase. Then you get into the workplace again. Abasa played a role in supporting you through as a trainee, where you're lacking in terms of your competencies, how the ANN cycle compliance is going. They would have been gone as far, I remember. And, and because of that relationship I've had with Abasa throughout all of the stages of my professional career, firstly, it made sense for me to then come back and give back where we can in terms of the initiatives but more secondly it spoke to our values as a business because 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 our values is really transformation and empowerment and being able to now take it a step further so our goal as a community is quite simple to say all of those structures that have been existing previously within Abasa, we need to come back and re-strengthen them but more than that we need to then start venturing into this open area where now we have accountants that have qualified, completed articles, but now there is no structure or some sort of guidance. You find CAs in dead-end jobs. You find CAs moving around the same role, just different corporates, but really getting CAs or having that structure that we had in articles, if you try and remember where you knew, in first, I needed to get this. These are some of the stuff I'd participate. Second year, you know, whereas now it needs to be the same so that the idea or the vision is to get to a point where if any company, whether listed, unlisted, needed to appoint a board member in an independent capacity or non-executive capacity, the first point of call needs to be about about a leadership. So our value or our goal is to build world-class quality leaders that will be able to permeate any industry, any sector, listed, unlisted, local or international. Because with globalization, I mean, I kid you not, at the touch of a button, like I had a meeting the other day with people sitting all the way in New Jersey. So, so, so it's to drive that development of leaders just also beyond the article 
uh, milestone. So, I mean, it has it had its challenges like any other co uh, committee, but with the team we do have, I mean, we were quite uh, a while versed. I'm one of the youngest people on that team. So just besides the learning for me personally, it's also just giving back and driving that leadership development within um, the accountants brought, not just CAs. I mean, if you would have seen the past couple of months, Abbas would have gotten into MOAs with the likes of Akka, Yosaiga, just to show that as much as CAs are perceived to be the cream de la cream, there is a bigger industry that still is needs to be taken care of and responded to. Perfect. I've got a few other questions, but there's quite a few questions coming in from the audience. I want to Ooh. make sure I deal with them. So okay. we've got a question from Tapelo. Tapelo says, would you recommend doing your forensic or, or CISA first? Or, or uh, what would, you, would be your, oh, sorry, basically, what is your approach? <laughs> um, again, I would say there are two ways to skin a cat, right? <laughs> you need to answer the question that what do you want to do once you have it? Because to have the certification, it's good, don't get me wrong, right? But what impact does it into your life. For example, for me, qualifying as a CA opened a whole lot of doors, right? So for me, it made sense that you need to start with a CA. Similarly, the same approach you would take to say, you need to realize between forensic and CSUN, which one drives your personal goal? Is it because you want to get a job at a bank? CSUN then will be easiest because it's information system auditing. Financial services will kind of smile when you say that. But if you're now saying you want to drive a career out of forensic, I'd say start there. Because actually, in all of my qualification, forensic is the hardest, number one. And number two, it's the one I try shy away from. I kid you not the amount of jobs I have to turn down because of that. Because for me, I don't want to die. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and, and the reality of it is contextually in South Africa, it is a high-risk industry. So you need to kind of map it out. Best way I can advise, because, again, there are a lot of things that I play. Get a coach. And, and, and maybe in about two seconds to try and explain, there's a difference between a mentor and a coach. A mentor is someone that will amp you up, try to show you how they went on their journey. Along the way, you'll figure it out. But a coach is someone that really zones into you. Yeah, initially, you might get the, the younger guys, so the rates are a bit lower. But over time, try to get a coach that is really a specialist in what you're trying to achieve. Because you'll realize that, again, there are many ways to skin a cat. That's a great answer. We've got a question from Bryn who says, you wanted to be listed or accredited by the JSE. What's your opinion regarding companies that are currently delisting? Mm, again, I'm not a financial advisor, guys. It's not a financial advisor show. If you want to get those tips, come and consult with me. Come check me in my office. But on a lighter note, as much as companies are delisting, my view is that it's because of the regulation, a lot of compliance, red tape, and just because markets have taken a knock. Right. So now the first question we need to answer is why do companies even list? People list or companies list for capitalization. You want to be able to move your business to the next level. You don't have a lot of capital, so you go to the market, you give them a bit of equity. Instead, you get a bit of capital, you expand, you give them dividends, and you move on with life. So a lot of companies that are delisting, again, in my view, it's a lot of red tape given that we do audit a lot of these entities. But secondly, given where technology is going, the ability to raise capital just outside of South Africa, the cost benefit of a company, should I either list a JSE or should I remain private, rather go raise funding in the U.S., becomes quite um, a very controversial one, for lack of a better word, right? Meaning that for businesses, what JSE used to play, the role JSE used to play back then, is it still playing right now? Still to be debated. 
So that's, again, my opinion. And the reason we want to be uh, listed as a firm, we want to be a JSC-listed auditor is, again, firstly, uh, mandatory audit rotations kicking in April 2023. And the reality of it is that how many black firms do we have on the JSE today? Um, I mean, the whole purpose or a big part of the purpose of mandatory audit, audit, audit firm rotation, if you talk to Bernard, the former CEO of Urba, would be to drive transformation and competitiveness. But to date, we haven't had black firms actually occupy that space. So, so for us, we saw it firstly as an opportunity to say we need to get in there, but more than anything, we need to show that audit as firstly a profession and secondly as a business still has longevity, still has a runway. Because what we've also seen through some of the research everybody has done is a huge decline in new auditors, not only even at RA level, but just from the moment they complete articles, they kind of go out. So, so, so to ensure that the industry becomes sustainable for generations to come, these are some of the strides and um, things we need to do. I'm going to ask you a question I like to ask all my guests. What is one piece of advice you would give your younger self? Hmm. Whew, that's a tough one. Uh, but I guess don't sleep on yourself. And, and that's the one thing I'd, I'd always say to everyone that a lot of times you realize your value up when someone kind of tells you. But when you're looking at the mirror, because you're in the same body, you're doing the same thing, you don't recognize the dots. There's a saying, I'm not too sure if it's the Apple guy that has said this, that the dots only start adding when you're looking backwards, meaning you just need to keep moving. You just need to keep moving and don't sleep on yourself. You're worth a lot more than you would think, and you have a lot, lot more to offer than what probably your partner is telling you. 100%. Any last words from you or anything we didn't discuss that you'd like the audience to know? All right. So um, two things. The first thing I'd like to really appreciate that the platform and opportunity you do provide. Um, you came as a recommendation from a very, very close friend of mine that has been on the show. So we do watch it. So keep doing the work you're doing. Um, it does go a long way, both for the young and the older guys, just to get that inspiration. And then secondly, it will be to all businesses starting out that quite too often, we see the good side of, of, of entrepreneurship and the success stories, but no one wants to talk about just how difficult that journey is. And every now and again, we need to just go back to that to say, it is really a daunting journey. It is difficult, but the rewards added are, 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 are really worth it. So that's what I want to leave everyone with. And thank you so much for, for really hosting me today. Appreciate it. That's a great way to end. The show has been live on YouTube and will be available on podcast by tomorrow. If you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast, don't forget to like, subscribe, and click on that notification bell to get automatically notified when the next episode comes out. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you and keep well, hey. Thanks, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Two Ways to Skin a Cat. Goodbye.